burn you. Uh, the flames from the sun, the light from the sun that's, that's far, 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 far away. Just one glimpse for too long. Or even for a brief second if you look just right. To blind you, blind your eyes for the rest of your life. And I saw, and I like this, and what a good witness. One of the things I saw this week that people were posting was imagine that if the sun that God made can blind you with just a second look at its light, imagine what the pure light of God himself can do to his creation. If you are glad that Jesus allows us to look to the Father without being burned by his wrath, say amen. Lord God is good. Let's just change it all up today. Is there anybody today that has a testimony? Anybody today that wants to testify to God's goodness? Anybody? For his awesome what? For his awesome wonders. If you love those wonders, say amen. Miss Townsley, what you got? Amen. Good. Somebody else? A word for God. Miss June, go ahead. <laughs> Good. That she loves a Savior, a God who can change the night to day and the day to night. Go ahead. What you got? Yeah, God is good. God is good. Who else? Yeah, good. Good. name of Jesus. Who else? Somebody else today? Go ahead, Brother Bill. Good. The love of Jesus saves sinners. Somebody else today? Go ahead, Miss Jean. What Do what? For saving you. If you're glad you're saved, say amen. And if you're not, you can be today. You don't have to wait. Today, the Lord says, today is the day of salvation. Somebody else have a testimony this morning? Go ahead. Good. Go ahead, Nathaniel. Good. Excellent. What about over here? Good health. Boy, we take that for granted, don't we, until we don't have it. And then we realize how good it is to have that. Wonderful. Who else? Somebody else?
Yeah. How can it be that he saves us? If you're glad that he saves male, female, black, white, boy and girl, if you're glad for salvation, say amen. Over and over again in the Psalms, over and over again, it says, let the, let the congregation say the amen to affirm who God is and what he has done. Anybody else this morning? The testimony? Go ahead, Heather. Keep praying for Sister Heather and her and her health. Somebody else today? Good. He loves us and we can feel his spirit. He sent his spirit to minister to us and to point us back to him. Trisha, go ahead. Good. Yeah, Trisha's Trisha's been uh, in some ways able to uh, put herself in a position this summer with church camp and then truth and peace, where really you just focused on worship all the time. And uh, she's excited today to feel God's spirit and His presence in our congregation. Somebody else this morning? I know some of you need prayer. There are people that need health prayers. Those of you today that you've got sickness, that you you need to see God do something. Boy, I think about Don Ashburn back there and your mom and having to caretake for her and. You have to be a caretaker. You know the, the weight and the strain that, that that brings on somebody and others of you with your job and your work and the problems that you have. We have people right now that are praying for changes in their, in their jobs that they're in. They need a new job or, or they want to get out of the one they're in and they're asking the Lord to help them. So many burdens that we bring with us. God is able to meet each one. Anybody else? Go ahead, William. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, my my boys would amen you. They had Krispy Kreme today, so they would amen that. Yeah. Yeah.
So many people say, God, we're like the Pharisees. I wish God would just show me this, or I wish God would just reveal me this, or why doesn't God, uh, why doesn't he just show up? And my friends, like, this should be a reminder to us that God does show up. He is there. Anybody else? Good, where you fail, he succeeds. Good. The Father has sent His Son for you and for me. Even for Mike's little grandbaby. I know you think perfect. He needs that salvation too. And God has provided a way. Anybody else today? Go ahead, Mike. Yeah. Good. Go ahead, Mike. He's worthy of praise, say amen. God is worthy. He's worthy of praise. He's worthy of your life. There's nothing you have that doesn't belong to him. And he gives you the opportunity to freely acknowledge that. Freely acknowledge the blessings and the goodness and the things that he has provided. What about you? You've never given your heart to Christ. What about the one here today that hears the testimonies and hears the word and has heard the music? What about you? Will you come to Jesus today? Will you join in with those that can say amen, that God is good and that His salvation is here? His salvation is here, but is it applied to your life yet? God has brought you here today, sinner, to hear His word, to hear His name praised. Give you an opportunity to know Him in the fullness of His power through His Son, Jesus Christ. Is there any other testimony this morning? Anybody else? God is good. Now here's what happens in our life. In our life. We begin life, or Adam and Eve, we don't, but Adam and Eve, they begin life sinless, and, and they were pure. And Adam and Eve started out on the journey of life, and you could take a, a glass of water, pure, clean water, and they began life, and there was a purity of life, and there was a cleanliness to life, and God gave them all that they needed, and all that they had to have. In fact, God was so awesome. That uh, he did creation and he had all the animals go forth. And they saw, Adam saw the animals there. And he had them go forth and Adam named the animals and he saw them. And then God, and it's like in his sovereignty, he decided I'm going to give Adam a gift. And I'm going to save this gift and I'm going to wait until he's seen everything else. And he waited and at the end of it it says God, uh, he knew, of course God knew this from all of eternity. He, he knew there's something else that Adam needed. And so he made a companion for Adam so that Adam would not have to be alone. Sometimes it's good to be alone, get away and collect your thoughts and do that. But if you've ever had to do that for a long, long time, man, you begin to desire companionship. You can desire other people to be with. And so God created Eve. And Adam and Eve came together. 
And they had an opportunity there. They had heaven on earth is what they had. But to see if they truly loved God, would they choose to trust God? Would they trust his plan and his timing and the way that he was going to reveal things? God gave them a choice, an option. And really the choice of eating the fruit came down to this. He said, don't do that. Don't do that. And the tempter came and said, no, no, go ahead and do that. And you can do it your way. And you can find out this stuff on your own path. And you can be like God. You don't need him to show you. You don't need him to reveal to you. You don't need him to provide for you. You can do that all by yourself. You don't need the one who made you. So Adam and Eve both participated in that sin. They chose to eat of the fruit, which is just a way of saying they decided to not trust God. They didn't need God. And when they did that, the Bible says that the power of sin came in. And sin corrupted them. And there wasn't one part of their life that sin didn't corrupt. And Sin didn't make unclean, and they became unclean, and sin entered in. And over through the Bible, over and over again, sin does such destructive power, and sin does such horrible things to me and to you, and it blinds us from the power of God. It blinds us from who He is. What are we going to do about sin? That's what man has asked. What are we going to do about sin? And it's come up with religions, and it's come up with pathways, and it's Come up with all sorts of teachings to deal with sin. But what the Bible tells us is, it's what Jesus is going to do about sin. It's what the Son of God will do. The Bible also teaches us as Jesus deals with sin, though he does call us through his power, through his power and his name and his Holy Spirit, to deal with the sin that would infect us and would change us. And in the context of talking about sin, Jesus, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, makes one of the most radical statements he ever made. So I want you to turn there this morning to Mark, chapter 9, and go to verse 38. And we're going to look this morning, we're going to read together, and we're going to see what Jesus expects us, the attitude that he expects us to take towards sin in our life. And in this passage, we're going to read, Jesus is going to lay out some relationships and the way that some relationships would work. And in the midst of talking about how things should work, what he expects of us, his followers, he's going to make a really, in fact, he's going to make several radical, radical statements about how you need to approach sin. Because he wants you to approach sin the same way he approaches sin. And Jesus' attitude to sin was, I don't want anything to do with sin because I'm going to depend on God the Father completely. And sin is saying, God, I don't need your way and I don't need your path and I don't need to rely on you I'm going to engage in this instead. And Jesus says, no way. I want all of God the Father. That's what I want. It's this morning, let's look together at what Jesus has to say about sin. Mark chapter 9, verse 38. The Word of God says, actually, let me rewind real quick. Let me rewind. Let me tell you something that that had happened. What had happened here is the disciples had been arguing earlier, just, just prior to this, They'd been arguing about, and they did this several times, in fact, quite a, quite a bit, it seems like. They're arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom, right? You're a part of Jesus' kingdom, and they want to know, well, who's going to be the greatest? Who's going to be the uh, top dog? Who's going to be the leader? And so they were arguing about this. And while they were arguing, Jesus went and got a child, and he brought a child in. And it's as if Jesus was saying to them, and he did say to them, he was basically saying, in my kingdom, if you're going to participate in my kingdom and you're arguing who's over who's the greatest, you got it all wrong. You don't even understand what my kingdom's about. And so he brings a child in. And he says, in my kingdom, it's not about who's the greatest. 
It's about who serves this child. Who will serve the child? That is what my kingdom is about. Now, what did that represent? Well, a child can't take care of itself. A child needs somebody else to help and to provide for them and to care for them. And if Jesus was saying, you're arguing about who's going to be the greatest, and what I really want you to be concerned with is who's going to serve, who's going to help, who's going to show love to others the way that I'm showing love to you. And so he brings a child in while they're arguing. And he says, no, 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 no. Look, my kingdom is about who will serve this child. Now, like a lot of people, Jesus tells them this, but they don't quite get it. They're not quite ready to embrace what Jesus has said. And so right on the tail of this happening, Jesus bringing this child in, something really interesting occurs. Look what happens in verse 38. And John answered him and said, Master, he says, Master, wait a minute. We saw one casting out devils in your name. And he followed not us. He wasn't part of our tribe. And we forbade him because he follows not us. Lord, we saw one doing ministry in your name. We saw one who was, who was claiming the name of Jesus and embracing who you are and what you were doing and was, and was using that to cast out uh, these devils. But we stopped him and said, don't do it because we didn't know him and he wasn't one of us. But Jesus said, verse 39, forbid him not. For there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. So Jesus is becoming real controversial. And people are not sure what they think about Jesus. And who knows, maybe this man had been at a sermon that Jesus had preached. Uh, maybe. Maybe he'd been in a meal that Jesus had ate at and, and taught people. He did that a lot at meals. Who knows, but this guy knew about Jesus. But he wasn't one of the twelve. And apparently apparently, he wasn't even part of that that. Uh, Next level of disciples that we know about, like uh, the, the Mary and Martha and Lazarus and others, that they were clearly disciples of Jesus, but they weren't part of that 12 that was going around. He's not even part of them. They don't even know who this guy is. And so they hear him, they hear him doing things in the name of their king, King Jesus, but they don't know him. He's not a part of their tribe. And so they say, whoa, stop, stop. You don't need to be doing that. You're not a part of our group. So he says, Jesus John's trying to let him know, hey, we're, this is, see, what he's doing. He's still trying to show that I'm in charge of this kingdom, and I'm going to decide who can do what in Jesus' name. I'm going to decide that. And Jesus says, no, you're not. Verse 40, he that is not against us is on our part. For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name, because you belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his Reward. Again, my kingdom is about the one that sees those who embrace my name, who are in need, and reach out, and they help them. Our church has had for some time now uh, a lady that's just been dropping food off at the church. And we didn't know who it was. I still don't know who it is, and I don't need to know. Over and over again, been dropping. We, didn't, we didn't know where this food was coming from. And finally, my dad was here one day, and he just told me, he said, he said I was here, and 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 person was dropping food off, and this lady just said she just figured this was a church and wanted to do ministry for people and figured we'd get it to people that needed it. So she was just showing up and dropping food off at our church. Woo, if that's good, say amen. That's good. Jesus says, you trying to be in control? Let me tell you about being in control. The one who gives a cup of water to those that claim my name, that one will have a reward, and it doesn't matter whether you know them or not. Verse 42, whosoever now, but then he switches gears. So they want to be in control. 
And so Jesus is going to show them it's not your job to be in control of other believers, but it is your job to get a control through me on you. Jesus is going to radically switch gears. They're worried about everybody else. They're worried about being the greatest. And Jesus is about right here to flip the script and show them, I don't want you to worry about everybody else. I want you to worry about you. And look at what he says, and this is radical. Whosoever shall offend one of these little ones, brought this child in, that believe in me, it is better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. And if your hand offend you, here is John, a great disciple, and he says to him, if your hand offend you, cut it off, for it is better for you to enter into life maimed than having two hands and to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And if your foot offends you, cut it off, for it is better for you to enter halt, to enter lame into life than to having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. And if your eye, your hand, your foot, your eye, if your eye offends you, pluck it out, for it is better for you to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into the hell fire, where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. For every one, whether they're of your tribe or another tribe, everyone that is part of Jesus' tribe, the kingdom of God, everyone shall be salted with fire, and every, and every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. And salt is good, but if the salt have lost its saltiness, wherewith will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. Salt yourself. And deal with your sin and be at peace with those that live as part of my kingdom, whether they're part of your tribe or not. In this morning's text, Jesus highlights uh, three relationship points that a Christ follower needs to have, that he demands that we have in our life. And I want this morning to highlight these three relational points and then in the context of that, try to explain a little bit what Jesus, what I think he means or is getting at with the cut off the hand and foot and the pluck out the eye. The first thing we see in verses 38 through 50 is that Jesus tells us clearly that we are to tolerate Christians, those that are part of his kingdom doing his kingdom work, we are to tolerate those Christians that are not in our tribe or group. Again, earlier in the ninth chapter of Mark, the disciples are arguing about who is the greatest and Jesus brings the child in and tells them, you want to be a part of my kingdom? It's not about you arguing about who's great, who's in charge, who has the authority, but it's about you serving those like this child and encouraging them and helping them to grow. And right after that, it's almost as if John has got a hold of this thing that they're serious. And I bet you John is serious. I don't doubt that. I think John is very serious about Jesus. I think he's very serious about the Word of God. And clearly he's very serious about the ministry because he's given his life to following Jesus around. And so let's give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, we don't know what was going on. Maybe he doesn't deserve the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but Jesus knows that. I, I don't know that. And that's not, not necessarily my business. But let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's just say that John is worried because he's serious about Jesus' kingdom. And he doesn't want anybody messing that kingdom up. And so he sees this guy 
performing miracles in the name of Jesus, but he's never seen him before. He's never been with him before. He doesn't run with their group. And John is worried, maybe. Worried, what will this do to Jesus' kingdom? What will this do to his name? What will this do to his work? And so they forbid the man. They say, hey, you don't need to be doing that. Because they maybe they didn't know. Maybe they didn't know. Jesus didn't call you the way he called us, or you'd be with us. So you don't need to be doing that ministry. Jesus responds to that interestingly. Jesus responds by telling them in verse 40, uh, 38 through 42 that they should not forbid the man to do it. And he tells them to remember again that your ministry is not about being a boss to everybody else, but it's about being a servant to those who are part of this kingdom and, and, and other places we learn to those that are even outside of this kingdom. My friends, we need to remember today that Baptists aren't the only ones. People who pray are like you are not the only ones. There are some that pray, some pray with their eyes closed. Some pray with their eyes open and their hands up. Doesn't matter. What matters is, are you praying under the name of Jesus? And do you actually believe him? Some pray on their knees most of the time. Some pray sitting in a chair most of the time. Some people have a secret place in their house that they go to and they get alone with God. Others walk outside and go for a walk and they'll commune and talk with God in prayer. It doesn't matter if they do it like you. The question is, have they really been changed by Jesus? Do they have his spirit and are they doing his work? And if they are doing his work, don't worry about it. Jesus got it handled. He doesn't need you to help him do his job. So Jesus tells him here, guys, uh, I've already told you, he'd already told them he was going to be persecuted. So anybody that was saying the name of Jesus and running with the Jesus crowd that had half a brain knew that if you identify with Jesus, the Pharisees aren't going to like you and the leader himself that said you're going to be persecuted. And so Jesus says, would you please step back, John? I didn't put you in charge of everybody else. This is my kingdom. We need to remember today that we need to tolerate Christians that aren't part of our tribe. And praise the Lord that there are more Christians in Cookville than just this church. Praise the Lord for the other churches in our community that name the name of Christ and are actively seeking to serve Him. Man, if you, if you appreciate other believers who love the Lord that aren't part of our church, say amen. I love them. And I told, I told Wednesday night, Told him in class. Just just awesome. Jesus says, hey. He says, hey, it's all right that they're not right here with us. Because believe me, anybody who's willing to jump in where I'm at and be a part of what I'm doing with the persecution that is coming, you just better step back and you just better be thankful that they're out there promoting my kingdom and my work. Now, don't misunderstand me. The Bible also makes clear that there are people that claim the name of Jesus that are false teachers. And there are those that are knowingly going around trying to corrupt people. And there are those that are so full of ignorance that they're leading people astray. I'm not telling you, do not misunderstand, I'm not telling you that there aren't some lines that are clear that you may say you're a Christian, but you're really not a Christian. And that we do need to be vocal and oppose that. Yes, we should. We should. And the Bible, I mean, read the book of Revelation. There's a lot of warning there and about how you need to be careful and be separate from those uh, that are involved in, in false works. But there are also a lot of people that don't do everything just like me who love the Lord deeply and they've been changed by him and they're a part of his kingdom work. Think about the, the singing school that they're going to have in September. There'll be believers from all kinds of groups and they'll be joined together with one voice praising the name of Jesus. And I just believe in my heart when that's done in the right spirit that that brings the, the Lord joy and it brings him honor. 
So we see right here in our text that Jesus says you need to tolerate those that are outside of your tribe. All right? You need to have toleration for that and just understand that I'm, I've got my work that I'm doing. But then number two, in the context of saying, John, step back, John. You're not in charge of making all the decisions here. I'm King Jesus, not you. In the context of that, he does lay down this really hard statement out. But, John, I'll tell you something I do want you to worry about. John, I do want you to be worried about you. And, John, I do want you to worry about the sin in your life. And, John, I do want you to be serious about dealing with the corrupting effect that it is having on you. Look at verse 42 again. Look what he says. So that some of the hardest verses in all the Bible. Whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it's better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast in the sea. And if your hand offends you, John, cut it off. Verse 45, if your foot, if, and, and by, if that sin offends you, if, if your hand causes you to sin, sin is offensive to God, and when sin hurts other people, it is offensive to them. So he's saying there, if your hand causes you to sin, get rid of it. If your foot causes you to sin, get rid of it. Verse 47, if your eye offends you or causes you to sin, pluck it out, for it is better for you to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye. And have two eyes and be cast into hell fire. Hand, foot, eye. Hand, foot, eye. If sin is there, find the root of sin and cut it off and stop it. And so John is trying to stop other people's ministry. And Jesus is saying, instead of worrying about stopping their ministry, how about stopping your sin that is offensive to God the Father? Now what do you do with a hand? A hand hands are what you use to do your job, right? I mean, most of us have jobs where our hands, we, we, have, to, we have to have that to do, our, to do our work. Whether you're a mechanic uh, like Brother Mike or a police officer like uh, Brother Jody or whether you plan routes like Brother William, whether you work at the hospital like Sister Connie used to do full-time, now just part-time. Working your gardens that you have. Whatever you do requires your hands to do it. You need your hands to do your work. You need your feet to go wherever you got to go. Your feet take you from place to place. Your hands allow you to do your work. And your feet allow you to go from place to place. And your eye allows you to see and observe the world around you. What is Jesus saying? One of the things that he is clearly saying is, whether it's the work that you're involved in, or the things that you use your hands to do, don't let it lead you into sin. If you find you're using these hands for sin, like stealing or hurting others, he says, stop, for it's better to you to reject that sin and to lose that hand and to go into heaven than continue to use those hands for sin and miss out on what God has planned. What about your feet where you go? And Jesus seems to be saying, if your feet are leading you to go to places that you should not go, stop going to them. Stop heading down those paths. Stop engaging in those things. It would be better for you to not have those feet than to allow your feet to lead you and to take you and to engage in places and things that you should have never been at and your eye oh your eye and what it sees on the television and the telephone and the computer the things you see around you he says if your eye leads you to sin it'd be better to lose that eye than to have it miss out on God's kingdom some people the way their eye and mind works they're so tainted by sin they've been so corrupted by sin some people, everything they see, they think about, how can I make money out of this? 
How can I get somebody else's money, whether it's legal or not? How can I do that? It's because their eyes have been trained to be corrupted by greed. Some people's eyes have been, they've engaged in so much sin that it's just, it's sexual thoughts all the time because they've allowed that sin to take root. And boy, there are some people, now this was bigger when I was in junior high, and a little bit in high school, but I know there are people still out there like it. There's some people that have so trained their hands to steal anything, to steal anything. I remember when I was in eighth grade, I guess, uh, as, as just to see if they could do it, just to see if they could do it. This boy that I knew at school ran with sometimes, they, they went down to Walmart here in Cookville. And they went down it and they had on, remember the old track suits people used to wear, like uh, jumpsuit, warm-up type stuff? And he had one of those on. And they went back in the fishing section and he got a fishing pole and he, and he stuffed it up his leg and up into the jacket. And sure enough, he walked out of Walmart with that fishing pole, walked out of it right there, just came in and got it and walked out, just wanted to see if he could do it. And there are people that get one taste of thievery and they can't stop. Can't stop doing it. My mom and dad, one of the best things they ever did when I was probably five, six years old, was playing at a friend's house. We lived out in the country and, and he lived down the road a little bit and we were playing and we're playing with uh, He-Man, G.I. Joe stuff and Transformers. And uh, I think it was a Transformer. I just took it and walked home with it. I didn't. I, I had no intention to steal it. I just took it home because I wanted to keep playing with it. And I thought, well, I'll see him again in a couple of days, and I'll give it back to him. And I'm I'm 99% sure it was my mom. She of course saw me playing with it, asked me where I got it, and I told her. I said, well, I just I just I just took it from Anthony's house. Figured I'd give it back next time. Does he know you have that? Did his parents say that it was okay for you to have that? Well, no, we were just playing, and I just took it. I marched right back down that dirt road, right back to that front door. Mom, she she took me to it, but she made me walk up to that front door. And she made me tell them I took it, and she made me give it back. When you're six years old and your parents do that to you, that's the best thing they can do for you, amen? Best thing. What was she teaching me? You better watch these hands. better watch these feet. Better watch these eyes. So Jesus says, don't let sin in. I've mentioned this before, the Great Wall of China. Great Wall of China was built to keep the Mongol invaders out. Built this Great Wall to keep them out as a military defense. And it was a really good defense. But during the first 100 years, during the first 100 years of the wall's existence, China got invaded three times. Three times they got through. How? In the first 100 years, how? It wasn't because the wall didn't work. It was because gatekeepers opened up their gate, had been bribed by the Mongols, and they opened up the gate, and they allowed the enemy through. Oh, man, I would never deny Jesus. I would never turn from Jesus. I will follow Jesus. But the Bible warns us, when you let sin in, it will leap right in, and it will lead your affections away, and it will leave your heart away, and it will lead you away from Jesus. What Jesus has done is complete and sufficient. But do you today, are you allowing the eye, the hand, the foot, are you allowing sin into your life? Be careful what you do and where you go. And watch what you see because the power of sin will change you, it will corrupt you in your life. So this morning Jesus shows us that we need to tolerate Christians outside our tribe, but we need to refuse to re tolerate sin in our life. Tolerate these other believers who aren't part of your group but are doing Jesus' work. But do not tolerate sin within you. And then he gives the third 
thing. Look at verses 49 and 50. Last thing. This is really interesting teaching. Jesus says, for everyone shall be salted with fire. And every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. And salt is good. But if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you season? How will you be seasoned without the salt? Have salt in yourselves. In yourselves, this process needs to be going on. But with others, have peace. So don't just tolerate other Christians, but live in a, in a state of peace with them. Now, how or what is the most productive way to have this sort of peace? And my friends, this is where the teaching of Jesus and the rubber road of reality collide with one another. And I want you to listen to very, very carefully because we, in our day, the games we've been playing, the blinders are coming off and, and it's not hard to see how this applies. Listen to this now. And Jesus says, hey, I want you to have peace with one another. And then he describes this with salt and fire. And you say, what is, what is going on? Why does Jesus end this discussion talking about this salt and this fire? Well, think about the temple sacrifices, right? The temple sacrifices that were going on, they were seasoned with salt. Why? Why were the sacrifices seasoned with salt? To purify them. The saltiness helped give a purification to the sacrifice that was there. What Jesus has already told his disciples that he would suffer. He may be reminding them, and he may be reminding you when he says that we'll be salted with fire, that like Jesus, we will face opposition and we will face persecution. But this fire of persecution will salt all of us. Uh, Baptists, Methodists, free church, evangelical free, doesn't matter. He says, all of us, all of us who are part of his kingdom will be salted. Because believe me, the church at the end of the, the church, listen, the world at the end of the day doesn't care about the name on your church. What they care is whether or not you're following Jesus. And if you're following Jesus, the world will oppose you. But if you're, if you're, li- if you're living for him, even though the world opposes you, no matter what your name is, if you're living with him, you will be safe and secure if you walk with Jesus through the persecution. And so he says, John, step back from forbidding these other Christians because persecution is coming for all who name me. And if they're naming me, believe me, brother, you'll know at the end who's the real deal because all of you, all of you are going to face the fire. And it's those who walk through the fire with me. It's those that are faithful who come out on the other side. At the end of the day, when they come through, don't worry. You'll know then who the real deal was and who the fakers were as well. Jesus says, I've got this. So he's saying, don't worry so much about you being the judge. Worry about your own sin. So when the fire comes for you, that you will be faithful and walk with me and find yourself safe and secure in my arms on the other side. If you love Jesus today and you want to follow him through the fire, say amen. So he says this fire and this salt has this purifying effect. It's just be saying all will go through this. And when they go through this, you will see who the real deal is. See, what John doesn't know, that Jesus... And I don't know to what degree he knew it. Did he know it specifically? I mean, I don't know in his earthly ministry, but he definitely by the end knows. He definitely, no question by the end he knows. He knows there's one in their tribe that's not going to be faithful. He knows what John's worried about. They're not a part of our group. You know what Jesus knows? You know what he knows? He already knows there's a Judas. He already knows that there's a Judas in their group. 
And can you imagine Jesus, John's doing all this, can you imagine Jesus just, if he already knew in his mind, if he's thinking, you got to be kidding me, John. You're worried about this one right here, who's not part of your tribe, who actually is going to remain faithful. And I know within your tribe right now there is a Judas that is going to betray me and play the devil's part in leading me to my death. He says, hey, John, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, John, because they'll go through the fire and they'll be salted and, and it'll have a purifying effect. And you'll know, you'll know then who the real deal is. And so, John, what you better do with what you better do is you better deal with sin in your own life. Because you will be tempted. You'll be tempted. And you can trust me and hold to my hand that's holding you. And like Judas John, will you walk? So sin comes in, and sin makes it dirty, and sin makes us like this. It doesn't matter whether you go to church or don't go to church, everybody's got the power of sin in their life. So the thing is, we see these things in the natural world that imperfectly point us to Jesus. I think it's pretty neat how there are all these things in the natural world that imperfectly, listen to me now, this is what's so amazing. The eclipse that you saw is just one of hundreds of things in the natural world that once you have eyes of faith, you begin to see, whoa, it's just almost like the whole universe is trying to tell us one big story. Now listen, so I just dropped iodine in this, in this water and it colored it. But there are things that you can take the iodine that makes it dirty and makes it filthy. There are things that you can pour in it has a dissolving effect. In one moment, it changes that nastiness, that dirtiness, and it purifies the water again. And that's bleach that I put in there that does that. Bleach, if you pour it with iodine, it changes. It, it, it dissolves all of that. Now, here's the thing about this. You can kind of tell, I mean, if you get real close, the water coloration is just a little bit off when you drop the bleach in. It does a pretty good job. Like, that's, that's a lot better than it was. But if you get really close, you can tell that actually it's still... It's still just a little bit dirty in there. I tell you today, sinner, I tell you today that when Jesus, through his death on the cross, when you embrace that and he purifies you, there is no dirtiness left. None. And so today, don't worry about everybody else. Worry about you. And if you have sin in your life, do not let your eye, your hand, or your foot stop you from entering into the kingdom of God. The best thing you can do is come today to Jesus and say, Jesus, take my sin away. The Bible says if you name him and you believe, he will stand with me this morning. I'm going to ask musicians to come. We're going to sing that last song again. We're just going to sing it and, 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 and let this be praise to the Lord. But as we praise today, listen, man, if you've got sin in your life, It's got a hold of you. If you are a sinner who's never embraced Jesus, He is the antidote. He is the answer to sin. And He's the only answer. Anything else you try is still going to leave you dirty. Oh, you may look a little better on the outside. may look a little bit cleaner than you were, but there's only one thing that can change you in this whole galaxy. And that is Jesus. Dear Lord, I ask right now that you would minister and you would speak. And Lord, if there's a sinner that has a heavy heart, or if there's a believer that has a burden, Lord, I pray today that they would come to you, that they would come right now. And Lord, they would seek forgiveness. Lord, if there's one who's got sin in their life that they need to lay down, Lord, would they come and not allow it to corrupt them anymore? 
Lord, I just ask that you would move. Lord, help us to sing praise to you because you are great. And help our hearts be humble before you. And may we kneel and pray to you in need. Lord, you just move in your spirit as it's already had its way through the testimony time and through the preaching and the singing. Lord, have your way now. Lord, have your way. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.